Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the Sound Studio at The Space LV. Sydney Spoon is a registered dietitian nutritionist and sports dietitian. She has her Bachelor's of Science degree in Nutrition Sciences and her Master's in Exercise Physiology. After spending time working in a clinical setting, she started her own private practice and teaches at UNLV. Sydney talks about the benefits of intuitive eating and how we've learned to ignore our body's own brilliance. Today, we get real about diet culture, the clean plate club, and the belief that restriction is a good thing. We debunk intermittent fasting, emotional eating, celery juice, and the world of detox. Grab your green juice and let's dig in. I am here in the studio today with Sydney Spoon, dietitian. Thank you so much for coming down and talking with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about food. Yes. <laughs> Most people are. Yeah. Well, it's such a big topic. And I had specifically looked out in the community and said, I need to talk to someone who understands food and nutrition from a healthy, whole body, whole standard as opposed to someone who's kind of like oh you know download my meal plan yes <laughs> or like do this special diet because I, I really believe that in all of the conversation around diet and we get all these messages about like you should eat kale today you should drink mm -hmm. celery juice you should do all these things that sometimes we're like staring in the fridge or at the grocery store and we don't know what we're doing we're overwhelmed we're over because right? yes. there's so much information out there mm -hmm. and a lot of times people don't even know who to listen to anymore yeah. Right? Is it the you know the blogger with the most followers? Is it our doctors? Is it our registered dietitians? You know, it's we all get kind of clumped into just you know nutritionists, and it's very hard to weed through the correct scientific evidence-based information. And that's why I love doing what I do is because there's a reason behind all of the suggestions I make mm -hmm. or you know recommendations because science has backed it up. Yeah. Right. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't look for mm -hmm. is the truth behind, you know, recommendations. Well, I think so many people are looking for a good, like a quick fix. Always. We're looking for a way to make ourselves as healthy as possible. And people are really good at marketing. Oh, like, yes. do this well, right? Yes. Do this right. And you and I were talking um, prior to this about the fact that, like, I was like, I never want to get into the place where I'm talking like calorie restriction or diet, but mm -hmm. it's making good choices. And you were sharing with me like the only time you would put someone on a calorie restriction restriction would be like an athlete. Yeah, athletes are a little bit in a unique category because it's really about performance. Mm -hmm. The timing of their nutrition, the amount of carbohydrates, fats, protein, it all factors into their performance, their recovery. Mm -hmm. And so... When I do work with athletes, it's a little bit more specific into calories, you know, grams of carbohydrates, et cetera, like that. But for the average human being, we do not need to be that almost neurotic on it all. 
Yeah. Because we get overly specific. You know, you hear, okay, 1,200 calories a day. Mm -hmm. And what's so hard with that is how do we even know 1,200 calories is appropriate for someone? Mm -hmm. You know, it's such a general statement, and a lot of times it's inappropriate for most people. And what's so hard is we get so caught up or, you know, generally people count calories all the time or they feel like they need to restrict um, when really they're actually harming themselves more than trying to better themselves by becoming healthier. It backfires on them. And so I do try to stay away from any sorts of calorie counting um, because a diet can't tell you if you're hungry or not, if you're full or not, if you're satisfied. Only your body can tell you that. So I want to talk about that specifically because I think a lot of people have a hard time recognizing both hunger signals and I'm satisfied, yes. right? And I've I've noticed that even with myself, I have moments where I think this is why I was so interested in talking to you about this <laughs> because like I'll go on this like, oh, I have to have celery juice every day yep. and if I don't have it, then I feel guilty because I'm not actually taking care of myself. I've had to back myself off and be like, wow, I don't eat poorly. Mm-hmm. Um I, I have I love sweets, <laughs> like, as do everyone else. Right, I mean, right. that's normal. And I think though, like we've created this almost mindset where there's guilt and shame around food, and either you're overindulgent or you're restricting. Yes. And you brought up a topic, so I want to talk a little bit about like what are the signals for hunger and mm-hmm. that satisfied feeling. What should we pay attention to? Well, something I want to mention too is what you're feeling right now is. The whole diet culture, mm-hmm. right? Our society has led us to believe that when we restrict, it's a good thing, mm. right? That if we eat the kale and the celery, we're doing the best thing for our body. But, you know, God forbid we have a sweet, we're the worst human beings on the earth, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we are trying to dismantle as dietitians is this diet culture that leads us to believe you know, there's good and bad foods and that you're supposed to restrict certain foods and overeat others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is kind of the root of the problem because if we restrict something, usually it's something we love, Mm -hmm. right? We're not going to restrict something we hate, Mm -hmm. right? And it's usually for the intentions of becoming healthier, which, okay, that's good intentions, right? Um, However, we're not now listening to our body signals mm-hmm. if we're hungry, but we're restricting because oh, we hit our calorie limit for the day. Right. Or, you know, the only food that's available at this party is pasta, but I'm not supposed to eat that. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Starve? Right. Right. So what's hard about recognizing your hunger and satiety signals is that it's first about knowing that you can really eat what your body wants you to eat and you don't have to restrict certain foods Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the first step before recognizing your hunger and fullness so that you can properly do so got it um I like that you actually pronounced the word because I'm like, I'm afraid to say the word. So oh, satiety? <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to say it correctly. Yeah, so that's just another fancier way of saying fullness. Yeah. But that's, yeah. So how do you feel about, um, like, we talked a little bit about intuitive eating, and I love that. Yes. I was very drawn to that because I think right now there's a lot of conversation about intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and making sure that you're doing within certain amounts of time and I could possibly see the benefits of that like Mm -hmm. but I'm curious what you think of um 
both intermittent fasting and okay. then tell me about intuitive eating. Okay. I think so that let's that's hit brilliant. intermittent fasting just briefly okay. is it's basically telling the diet is telling you when to eat and when not to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not your body deciding any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's bottom line. Yeah. Okay. And that pretty much goes against intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So intuitive eating, some people call it attuned eating. Um, the kind of reason behind this or what it is, is basically we were born to eat, right? We were out of the womb, ready to eat, and can decide for ourselves how much to eat, when to eat, and when to stop, mm-hmm. right? Until society pretty much got in the way, mm-hmm. right? Your mom telling you, finish what's on your plate, right? I think we're all guilty of that in yeah. some way or another. You know, you don't want to waste money, waste so you want to – Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those things go against listening to your internal signals. Mm-hmm. So intuitive eating is all about listening to what your body has to say. And it's paying very close attention to when you are hungry and when you are full, right, and the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're hungry, there's a real reason for it. It's not your body just saying, I'm bored. Right? If it's biological hunger, right, you feel it in your stomach. I know we've all felt that empty sensation. Maybe even the stomach growls. You know, that's telling our bodies telling us we need nourishment. Mm-hmm. You know, provide your body with not just calories, but nutrients, you know, vitamins, minerals, fiber, everything. And so it's very important that if we listen to our body, right, we can start to trust our body Mm -hmm. that we will be able to eat when we are hungry, right? That's a key part in this because then we can stop when we're full. I think that's interesting. I've never thought of the fact like how society is messaging, right? So we -hmm. are like, okay, breakfast, lunch, and dinner should be at these times because that works within corporate framework. Of course. Basically. I mean, that's what it is. And you shouldn't eat past this time, and you should clean your plate, and you should, and you should, and you should. Mm -hmm. And I never even thought about the fact my daughter, when she was hungry, cried. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, she needs to be fed. Even before they can talk. Yeah. They'll let you know. I mean, when babies are born, they cry, and then when they're fed, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, they're silent because they're eating. But then as soon as they're done, what do they do? They turn away. Mm -hmm. They will not suck any more milk out if they are full. Right. So we are born with that innate, you know, that nature to eat, I would say, properly, you know, eat when you're hungry and to the point of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Right. But we have, whether it's parents or society or just people around us influencing our eating habits. Right. Well, I made this for you. You should eat it. No, it's not dinner time yet. You can't eat. Well, and there's such an emotional connection if you're like, when you said oh, that, yeah. you're like, I made this for you. I had this aunt, this <laughs> great aunt, who was like, if you didn't eat mm-hmm. her food, she was so offended right? because of the amount of time and energy. And she, you know, she grew up during the Great Depression, right? So she's like, yes. I can give you this. Yep. Like, it was such a big deal that she could lay out a meal and create, like, home-cooked German, you know, yes. she was an immigrant, home-cooked meals. And I just remember being like, I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Right. And it's so hard because you love those people, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I had a grandmother who grew up in the Great Depression as Mm -hmm. well. And, you know, it was a sign of respect. It was a sign of, you know, this is money. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't waste it. And we call it the clean plate club, right, is a lot of children children were brought up 
believing they had to clean their plate in order for their parents to be happy with them, um, in order for them to feel like they're going to grow big and strong. I mean, right. you know, the parents tell the children whatever it is that they need to hear so that they do it, right? Because yeah. God, you know, we can't have leftovers, right? Right. But the thing, though, is, you know, we can eat leftovers. You know, it's not going to waste. Mm-hmm. But the more you overeat, you're diminishing those satiety hormones, Okay. And that fullness signal. So that's really where a big issue comes from. And I think what our problem in this society is right now is that we're actually overeating a lot more than we realize because we're so used to restriction mm-hmm. that when we finally get a lot of food, we kind of make up for it. That's really interesting. So when you start, I didn't even think of it as a hormone. It's a, When you start... Um, I didn't think of it as like a hormone signal, right? So if you're overeating regularly, mm-hmm. you don't even realize when you're full. You're more eating for taste. Or out of habit. Got it. And a lot of that, because I think of that sometimes becoming more of like an emotional connection to mm-hmm. food. So talk to me a little bit about that as well. Yes. Because so- I think I see that more than anything, eating from sadness, boredom, whatever, so many emotions, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many emotions that drive eating. And it it's amazing to me because I think we all do it, mm-hmm. you know, on one level or another um, without even recognizing it. You know, we can even eat when we're happy, right? Celebration, let's go out to dinner, let's celebrate, let's have cake for our birthday. I mean, those things are normal to us, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't really look any further into that. However, what's hard is, if we're eating for emotion, we're disregarding our biological hunger and fullness signals. Got it. And the whole purpose of intuitive eating is to listen to your body's biological hunger, not just that emotional hunger, mm-hmm. right? It's not saying you're a terrible person if you eat because you're happy, but it's let's look a little bit further into the situation so that we can really kind of decide if this is appropriate. You know, a lot of times I have patients bring up that they usually raid the fridge or the freezer when they come home from work because they're stressed out, right? I feel like that's a very common thing here in America Mm -hmm. is, you know, you kind of wind down with maybe wine or food or some sort of nourishment that is thought to be comfort, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what makes people feel better. But I always have to question it are you really feeling better by eating when you're stressed out or when you're sad, right? There's so many um, reasons that we eat, yet we don't really question it. So for those individuals, I always say, you know, in that moment, are you biologically hungry? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they say no, right? It's usually I'm eating because I'm depressed. You know, my relationships strained, my work is killing me, whatever it may be. All valid reasons to be stressed out, to be sad, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the hard part about emotional eating is it just gets in the way of figuring out that problem. Yeah. Right? We use food as a distraction. So you're dealing with your emotional, kind of like where you are emotionally, but you're doing two things, basically. You're kind of removing yourself from the ability to, to intuitively eat and figure out what your actual fullness signals are. And secondly, we're not actually getting to the root of your emotional 
kind of Problem. connection. Like yeah. I've noticed for me, when I've had a really tough day, mm-hmm. I want a pizza and a glass of wine. Right. It is the thing. But you're right. I don't feel better because then the wine keeps me up. I am not supposed yeah. to eat gluten because I do have some allergy issues, mm-hmm. right? And so but then I make the choice. Like I'm going to eat this because it's going to make me feel better. But then it and then later, usually makes terrible. you feel worse. And right. that's – you're not alone in that because yeah. um, usually the whatever, you know – feelings that we were having before eating, um, they're only going to be exacerbated, you know, after the fact that we binged or overeat or ate something that doesn't make us feel good, whatever it may be. And then you add this, you know, guilt now to your already serious problem. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, it's learning how to remove food from the situation so that you can handle the issue at hand and, just separate the two, mm-hmm. right? Food can, you know, in some time and place be a part of emotions, but it shouldn't be our solution. Right. And so we need a, a better way to figure out how to handle that problem. And, you know, sometimes food is just that distraction, mm-hmm. but it's still going to be there once we're done eating. Yeah. No, and I think it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious because I've, I've been around a couple of children who have a hard time with um, overeating and possibly hoarding yes. of food. I'm curious as to where that stems from because they're so little. Restriction from their parents. Okay. So what's really hard is, I mean, you know, we all are trying to do the best we can. And I understand that with parents. They have children so that, you know, they're better than their parents, you know, and hopefully one day they'll be better than us or whatever it may be. But it really stems from during childhood, their parents or whoever usually takes care of them is somehow restricting those foods, Mm -hmm. right? They may be restricting what we call play foods, Um, you know, whether it's processed foods or pizza, whatever you want to, you know, think of because, you know, caregivers do that with the best intention of being, you know, having their children grow up and be healthy. But when you take something away, that child only wants it more, right? I mean, you tell a child not to touch something, what are they going to try to do? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, reach same. out right away and touch it. Same exact thing goes with food. Mm-hmm. The more you restrict it, it's almost like that food becomes, you know, gets put on a pedestal. Like, oh, well, cupcakes are the best thing in the world. They taste so good, but I can't have them because it's a Tuesday morning, you know, and I was told not to. So now all you want to do is have a cupcake, basically. Right. You know, and that leads to eventually restriction will always lead to overeating or binging and so it's teaching children and to be honest all humans that the more we restrict the more likely those binges are going to happen got it how do you feel about you know we talked about intuitive eating you know you mentioned listening to your body signals what hints or tricks would you give to people who are like i'm interested in this how do i start training my body to be more aware it's for me, what I've learned is, and I don't know if this is this is me eating the way I yeah. like to eat. I'm not hungry first thing in the morning. I never yeah. am. But I will eat because I know, like, I have to leave the house, and I should because if I don't, then by lunch. Mm-hmm. What I noticed since I, you yes. know, I came from, I retired from a corporate job where, like, I had hours. Now I kind of am a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get hungry till about 10 or 11. 
And so then I'll eat something at 10 or 11, and right. then I'm not hungry again until about 2. Yes. And then I'll eat something again around 6 or 7, and I'm totally comfortable. I mean, if that works for you, that is completely fine, mm-hmm. you know. But the thing about being a dietitian is that it's not just about eating what you want, when you want, mm-hmm. where you want, and it's all, you know, all going to be okay. It's you still have to keep in mind the health aspect, okay. you know, and the, the benefits of nutrition, whole foods. And so for some people, and it, it's going to be different for everyone, um, but maybe it's trying to get on somewhat of a schedule if you're, you know, going too long without eating because that's where we disrupt our hormones and those signals. Okay. So if we're going long hours, like over four hours without eating, typically we are hungry. We just have ignored those signals for so long that it's just normal to us. Got it. So in the beginning, depending on where you're at, it may be worth just just trying to eat maybe something small in the morning. Just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it will help you to recognize your hunger more throughout the day if your body knows it's allowed to eat more. I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good, and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Live will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps join the movement. Recognize your hunger more throughout the day if your body knows it's allowed to eat more. That's interesting because sometimes I find myself being like, I didn't even know I was hungry, right? Mm -hmm. And you're eating and you're like, oh my God, I'm starving. But it wasn't until I started eating that I'm like, so it's probably I haven't recognized those signals, right? Right. I'm used to the restriction that I'm like, I can go another or whatever. Exactly. And so that's kind of what's a little bit tricky in that situation is because it seems like it's working for you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it may not be as great as we thought it was because if you start eating and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm like ravenous and yeah. I'm eating way more than I thought I was hungry for, that's a signal that you're restricting too much during the day. So it is just um, listening to your body as best as you can, but also knowing your body's not 
been trusting you this whole time of a restriction lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it's not as easy to listen to your body because your body's a little, you know, wary about the situation. (laughs) It's like, well, so are we going to continue doing this or are you going to start restricting it again? Um, But I would say the best piece of advice I could give for people who are interested in intuitive eating is to actually um, read the book called Intuitive Eating. It was written by two dietitians, Mm -hmm. um, Evelyn and Elise. So it's very important to just start learning more about it to see if it's appropriate for you, Mm -hmm. ultimately. What do you think about um, this detox kind of situation? I think everybody and their brother is kind of excited about the idea that they can detox they can get all of the bad toxins out of their body they're told that they can drink water with cayenne pepper Mm -hmm. and and honey and lemon or that they should try a detox tea um where are you on that spectrum so with detoxes it's hard because you know we have another buzzword here um of detox but really we need to know the science behind what is a detox you know really it's taking harmful um, toxins out of our body and Luckily, we have a liver and we have kidneys. Mm -hmm. And those are the most important organs in helping our body naturally detoxify us, right? Our, you know, lemon, ginger, cayenne, pepper drink or tea isn't going to be what's actually detoxifying our bodies. You know, let's give our, our human body credit and recognize that we already have all the tools we need to detox. Mm -hmm. So to be honest, I mean, it's just going back to a marketing, you know. Standard, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's easy because people want to like, oh, that's something I should probably be doing. I drink alcohol. I'm not the healthiest person, right? Right. We want a way to kind of make up for almost the not so great decisions we've made. (laughs) Right. Um, So... Again, people are doing it with wanting to be healthier, but it's a lot of times just not necessary. Yeah, I I got onto the tea craze for a Mm -hmm. minute, and I had stopped because I went and got um, a panel done, and my liver and kidney function were questioned. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I had really changed was doing the detox teas. And I was doing it because I thought it was helping me not lose weight, but because I have food sensitivities. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to help me with my bloat. Well, maybe I should just not eat the foods that I'm sensitive to, right? That I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, well, what's worth it to you? Right. I mean, if you look at, you know, blood work and there's true evidence to show, okay, this isn't helping you, that's definitely one reason to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always like to question, well, what else can we do? Because there's going to be so many more options than just one thing, Mm -hmm. right? So, yes, one option would be, okay, let's look at those foods that you're truly insensitive to and maybe make a a more of an effort to figure out ways to um, decrease the frequency of those or find alternatives that don't, you know, Mm -hmm. cause the same problems for you. Um, Or, you know, there's just other ways to go about it that it's maybe – more elimination or withholding some foods that just don't agree with your body versus trying to detoxify after the fact that you've already had them. Right. And I think too, and one of the things that we had talked about was making sure that you're eating whole healthy foods, minerals, what have you. And it's instead of doing maybe a detox tea, it's incorporating some of those healthier things into your diet on a regular basis, like maybe cooking with ginger or right. cooking with whatever. Why not? And it doesn't hurt because usually it's not in 
a large amount, Mm -hmm. right? If we're cooking with something like celery, right, we're still getting in those antioxidants. We're getting in those vitamins and minerals by consuming the whole form, Right. right? We don't need celery juice to give us all the health benefits we'll ever need. You know, it's like we always want to go to extremes, right? Right. There's no middle ground. And truly that's where we want to be is in the in-between because that's what we can sustain for life. So speaking of celery, (laughs) that's the big thing right now. And I love what you said. And it really comes down to moderation, right? It's basically looking at these things that we know are helpful. It's not that celery is so much better for us every single day than it would be if we had balance. And I think that's the one thing that I've taken from our conversation the most is is moderation and making sure like so if you were looking at someone you're talking about moderation you're talking about like great celery is fantastic for you what would that look like like how would people would you ask them to start incorporating like whole and healthy grains whole and healthy fruits let's have some spices it definitely starts with where they're at in their current diet because everyone's going to be in a different spot Mm -hmm. on that and with you know, those fad diets, they want you to not only incorporate something into your diet, they want you to do it daily, do it, you know, so frequently that that's pretty much all you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. And what's hard with that for me as a dietitian thinking is, well, you're now taking away other nutritious foods because you're, you know, over consuming, for example, celery juice. You know, you're Mm -hmm. taking away zucchini and beets and carrots, even though those are great vegetables too, but we now think that for some reason, well, celery is the best vegetable out there, so let's focus all of our time on celery. But the problem is, and what's actually great, is no one fruit, vegetable, food is exactly alike. Mm -hmm. That's why we need variety. That's why we just can't overconsume one specific food. You know, what vitamins and minerals celery have – you know, that's great, but strawberries may provide something different, Mm -hmm. right? So it's all about, yes, moderation, and that's such a tough word because it means so many different things to different people, Mm -hmm. but it's finding what moderation works for you. You know, maybe it is, okay, I don't mind celery, but it's not something I'm going to want to eat every day, so you don't have to. Right. It's too tart for me. (laughs) It's not pleasant. Right. I don't want to have a toothpick next to me all the time. Right. You know, it's – so it's finding what foods work for you daily, but also, yes, if there's a food that we know to be nutritious and we're not eating it, Mm -hmm. let's find ways to incorporate it into dishes or meals. But it doesn't mean that it has to be a part of your daily routine in order for it to bring on any health benefits. I'm curious about your diet. Like, what do you do and how do you – like, you go to the grocery store, right? So, mm-hmm. like, my, my boyfriend and I, we cook for our two kids. So we go to the grocery store and we find that we keep buying the same staples because we know what the girls like, but then they mm-hmm. eat the same things and they get bored of them and we have to think of something different. And I'm just so curious, like, when you go to the store or when you're planning your week or mm-hmm. whether or not you do, like, what does it look like for you? So, to be honest, I usually don't divulge that information on what I do because, you know, a lot of times people look towards dietitians as, like, a, their role model, mm-hmm. right? And I appreciate that and I find it, you know, very endearing. But the problem with that is 
we're all of a sudden all of a sudden comparing got it right what am I doing versus what you're doing what he's doing and you know it's it's not fair you don't want to create that same kind of this is the right way to do it right because I don't do it perfectly Mm -hmm. but neither does anyone else Mm -hmm. you know but if I don't like you know whatever beats you know I'm not going to buy them doesn't mean that I would now expect you not to buy them Mm -hmm. because you like them right so it's you know, I mean, of course, you're going to expect to see, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, because yes, I understand the importance of those foods. But you're also going to see, you know, things that maybe people wouldn't expect to be in a dietitian's cart, like mac and cheese or, you know, a cookie. (laughs) It's like... But we talked about that. And it's like, you don't feel that you should restrict the things that you enjoy. You just also feel that it's important to make sure that you're eating healthy foods like yes it's okay to have pizza or some macaroni and cheese but you you need to pick up a piece of so if you think about it the more you restrict a food the more you want it Mm -hmm. and just the same with the opposite the more you're allowed to have a certain food the less you desire it Mm -hmm. you know and I don't think people realize that second part because they're so afraid of keeping Oreos let's say in the house because they, they think that they'll just eat them all Right. And sometimes we do because that's something we've been restricting for so long. But if we, you know, perpetually allow ourselves to just consume Oreos, Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny. You stop wanting them. That's so funny. When I have like sugary stuff, I love sugar. Mm -hmm. When I have sugary stuff in my house, I don't eat as much. Right. Because it's it's available to you. Yeah. Right. It's that comfort that you get when you know it is there if I want it. Right. And I don't have an emotional attachment. So it's not like I'm binging on it because I've restricted it or because of the fact that I'm emotionally eating. It's just there. It's there. And that's what's so nice with intuitive eating is you're allowed to eat pretty much whatever you want. I mean, of course, in regards to how does it make your body feel, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe two Oreos sounds great, but, you know, the third or fourth one just makes you feel ill. You know, it's learning that and it's adapting to what your body's telling you. But the more you allow yourself to enjoy a variety of foods, you become a lot happier because you're not always stressed out and feeling those, you know, thoughts of, okay, I can't have this. I shouldn't. Guilt, stress. I think that's the biggest thing is it's like guilt around food that I've experienced where like I'm like oh I should be having this and um I'm craving x yes. right and I think that's what I like so much about the idea of eating intuitively and conscientiously right like I'm very cautious about certain foods um I could go into this whole thing about the industrial revolution and how we started canning <laughs> foods for yeah. you know like I could go into all of that and how how what a mess that is um <laughs> But I also recognize that there's some responsibility on our part to kind of squash all of that talk in our head, right? From our parents, from advertising, from influencers who Mm -hmm. all think we should look a certain way. But it's hard to do that on your own. You can't. I mean, that's why we're, I mean, we're evolving, which is amazing. I mean, there's definitely more dietitians on board with this whole intuitive eating movement and you know, dismantling diet culture, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that there is a group of, you know, people who care enough to advertise it, to promote it, to, you know, teach it. Yeah. And yes, we need more of it, but we're getting somewhere. And thankfully, we have support, you know, through other dietitians, through, you know, friends, coaches, parents. I mean, people are definitely 
kind of getting light of it and it's really helping other you know generations and people to figure out okay there's a different better way yeah what what brought you to this field I've always loved food, as most people <laughs> do. Um, specifically, I was always fond of science. Mm-hmm. I think the human body is just simply amazing. And I wanted to dive more into um, just how food affects your body. Um, I think even at a young age, I was very aware of food, my body, all of that, but um, I always found it very interesting. Um, it started with my first health class, mm-hmm. you know, even just the eating disorder side of it all as well. It's just so much can affect our actions mm-hmm. just simply by what someone tells us to do with food or by learning about nutrition. And yeah. so I wanted to kind of join this field so I could help other people to become a healthier version of themselves because I feel like everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves a fighting chance to see, you know, how long of a life can we live? What's our quality of life? Right. That's my whole thing. So, like, I believe wholeheartedly, like, our body is the temple, and inside is this really beautiful heart, this really beautiful mind, and it's our responsibility to make sure that the temple gets to the end of our life as healthy as possible, both mind, body, soul, spirit, everything. Yes. Right? Like, so we are, it's all interrelated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the emotional, the physical, everything. And when I talk to my daughter um, about body image and food and all of those things, like, I want to create really healthy conversations, mm-hmm. especially as she gets older. Like, I'm starting to recognize the friend effect, right? Yes. Where, like, they're having little friend issues and, you know, girl, whatever. And I try really hard to be conscientious of how she starts to view her body and the world around her. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's so important to me that she has access to information, right? So, like, you love science. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what's important to me is, like, creating these critical thinkers that are not just looking at the TV and saying, this is the new advertisement, this is the new thing, I need to look like this. And that's a whole other thing, right? You've got all of these people on Instagram hawking these gorgeous bodies, Mm -hmm. saying you could look like me for $2.99 a month if you download my this (laughs) and do my meal plan and all of that stuff. And I deal with it, right? I deal with what culture says I should look like. And so, like, how much more? And I'm an, I'm a really intelligent person right. with a background that, you know, like, I got um, – I had the experience of working in finance for so long. And so there's an education on um, – it's very data-driven, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, like, looking at health in the body and having a science perspective. Yes. And creating critical thinkers who can – Yeah, and it's all about making decisions based off of the best information we have. Yeah. You know, and so it's just educating people as best as we can so that they themselves can make the best decisions possible. Yeah. Right? Because you can't be mad at someone for making a, you know, a, a bad decision because they didn't know any better. You know, but it's, I think, partially all of our jobs to educate one another and do so, though, in a way that's factual. Mm-hmm. Right? And what's really hard with a lot of social media I mean, pretty much all forms of media right now is myths are being spewed everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that makes my job a little bit harder. Um, definitely more interesting, you know, always having to talk about the cleanses or the keto diet or whatever it may be. But it's 
always going back to science because that's concrete evidence to show us, you know, exactly how food can affect our health and go based off of that, not just some, you know, thin thought in the air that, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to ask you two questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, A little pivot. If you were to look at a younger version of yourself, what would she look like? What age and what would you tell her? I would have to say I'd be somewhere in my early teens. And I would tell her that there is so much more to her than her body. Wow. And with that, you know, your intelligence means so much. Mm-hmm. Your humor can light up a room Mm -hmm. your caring for others is what makes you a good person yeah you know your your body the scale that doesn't define you Mm -hmm. and that is not enough to determine your worth yeah when you were that age where you was hyper aware I mean I think that's definitely when it was kind of through puberty right that's when your body changes the most Mm -hmm. and you get a curve and you're like what the heck (laughs) you're like oh my god you know you're having to buy new clothes and in some ways it's almost like is am I failing like why why is this change happening Mm -hmm. you know because I always think as humans we hate change yeah (laughs) right because it's uncomfortable it's new it's different it's something we now have to adapt to and so it was kind of during that change that I wasn't really sure about it, you know, and it's always what, I mean, even then, I mean, it's not gotten so much better, but, you know, hearing, oh, you know, you could lose some weight or, you know, you could be skinnier, you can, you know, there's so many, so many suggestions people put out that are, you know, unwanted. I didn't ask for your opinion, but you're giving it anyway. And so that was definitely a time when it's like, okay, you know, we're starting to compare more. Yeah. And I think comparison is just so scary because, you know, you think that if you're doing it differently, it all of a sudden means that you're doing it wrong when I don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, so I'm raising two girls and we talk about comparison a lot and they're eight. Mm -hmm. And with YouTube and with all this stuff out there in the world, and we monitor, but still, right? You can only do so much. <laughs> you can only do so much. And I'm very aware of, I remember going through puberty and almost grieving, being like, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be a woman. Right. <laughs> I'm it's, good. It's, you know, I mean, it's a great thing. It's a natural thing. And we're trying to, if we're trying to change it, we're trying to fight science. And mm-hmm. that's not fair. It's, you know, science always wins. Right. Um, so... It was definitely a, kind of a turning point that, you know, I wish, I know we can't go back, but it would be nice to just be able to focus so much more time on better, bettering yourself in other ways yeah. instead of trying to fit the social norm of, you know, a bikini model. Right. I mean, that's a very slim, you know, percent in the world. And that doesn't mean that you're any more or less worthy right. or important or kind. And so it's going back and just I really would want to tell her what's worth it almost. Yeah. It's really – I mean, that's really – it's funny. And I, one of the things I share with the girls is, like, what do you know about yourself today? Like, I know that I'm a kind person and I know that I'm really smart and I know this and I know that. So when we have bullying or <laughs> – comments that don't need to be made one of we were actually in the 
gym and a woman I don't know came up and commented on my eight-year-old's daughter's stomach versus my boyfriend's eight-year-old daughter's stomach and referred to one as having a six-pack and the other as having a one-pack. Oh, jeez. And I was like, there, That is eight. so not her territory. Right. And that's what's so sad is that society thinks that is acceptable when it is clearly not. Yeah. And I was I just looked at it and I was just like, she's already taking in this messaging, right? Right. She's and especially like, at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're absorbing every single thing that they hear. Yeah. And when you're surrounded by that constantly, that is going to be what you kind of determine your self-worth is, okay, well, what's my parents saying? Yeah. You know, and what's so sad is body weight really has nothing to do with health. Mm-hmm. You know, well, do they exercise? You know, what's their diet like? I mean, there's so many other factors to look at beyond weight. Yeah. And it's hard when you have people just judging you based off of a visual that it's not a complete picture and they're really kind of screwing you up by saying something so out of left field that right. it's really just destroying that person. Yeah. It's so unfortunate and I think I wish there was something like I, I think it's just preparing mm-hmm. children, right? And having these types of conversations. Um, my last question for you is if you were to leave behind any gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration for next gen, things that you'd want people to know if you weren't here anymore, what would it be? First thing that comes to my mind is just to put down your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of that goes with on social media, what I see and what I'm seeing, you know, my younger cousin go through my, you know, just the children. It's all about comparison Mm -hmm. right now and comparing life stages even Mm -hmm. and I feel like that is just ruining their lives because they're living trying to be someone else instead of trying to be the best best possible version of themselves so it would be you know to do your best to not compare. Mm-hmm. You know, the only person you should really compare yourself to is the person who you were yesterday. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because that's what matters. Yeah. Right? Is because you're the only person you have for your whole life. Mm-hmm. So you want to love the skin that you're in because that's what you got. Yeah. So you got to make the most out of it. As far as we know, this is our one life or one shot. You know, let's not waste so much time on things that don't matter. Yeah. You know, like comparison or social media or pretending to be someone we're not. Just be true to you and I think you'll be a lot happier. I love that. And I think it's so important. Like that comparison mentality is so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking within and being like, I am this, I am that, and I feel good. And I read something the other day, a woman was saying, she's like, hey girl, on Instagram, hey girl, mm-hmm. that five pounds that you're carrying around your midsection is the cupcake that you had the other day that was delicious. It is the dinner out that you had with your partner. It's that glass of wine you shared with a best friend. Mm-hmm. Love that extra five pounds. Yeah. And I was like, love your body in the whole. Yeah. Yes. I was I like, mean, that's gorgeous. You know, it's you don't want to go through life restricting and you know not going out to dinner with your friends because you are on a fad diet right right right. you know or feeling like you have to fit into your bikini for summer Mm -hmm. you know it's so much more than that and so I like that message as well (laughs) you know it's 
You got to learn to love your body. You got to learn to love your body and love the life that you have in the moment, Mm -hmm. in the day that you're living it. So thank you so much for being here in person, for being on my podcast and sharing your gold. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining today. I love Sydney's overarching message that moderation is our friend and that all the vegetables are good for you. She also speaks from the heart when she talks about her value being far more than the body she inhabits, and it's a beautiful message for women and girls. Follow Sydney on Instagram at The Spoonful of Health or Sid Spoon. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children and the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.